This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2022. A new poll shows just 12% of Biden voters want him to run again in 2024. Will Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama fill the void? And Elon Musk slams globalism at World Globalism Summit. What a legend. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. We want to respond to you on this show. What does that mean? Well, when you're angry about something, we want to be angry. When you're happy about something, we want to cover it and be joyful with you. Mourn with those who mourn, the Bible says, and be always present with your audience and always understanding like a connection to your audience. And so we try and bring the energy. We try and bring energy every single program. Now, sometimes it's hard. And most importantly, sometimes we are tired in the morning when we do this show. And that is why I drink copious amounts of coffee. I am always drinking coffee at all times of the day. And I have finally found a coffee company that actually reflects my values. I don't like giving money to woke communist corporations. And that is why I drink exclusively blackout coffee. It's not enough to simply taste great. You want to be proud and support a company knowing that they align with your conservative values. And that's why I'm telling you, you must give them a try. I personally recommend Blackout Coffee because it is a company that is 100% committed to conservative values. From sourcing the beans to roasting process to the customer service and the shipping, they've got incredible work ethic and accept no compromise on taste or quality. Mm. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, I drink it every single show. It's how it really does legitimately keep me going, especially in these kind of news environments. Go to blackoutcoffee.com backslash Benny and use the coupon code Benny for 20% off your offer. Stop giving your money to woke companies that hate you. Stay true to your values. Blackoutcoffee.com backslash Benny. We are energized this morning because we know something. We know what is about to happen. We often on this show tell you what is about to transpire in the future, and then you watch uh, it happen, and we say, ah, told you so. And so this is going to be one of those told you so moments. It's going to be one of those shows where we're like, ah, told you so. Got him. And this is it. They're going to backstab Joe Biden right in the side with a sharp knife, just like Caesar, ladies and gentlemen, metaphorically. Politically, they're going to go after Joe Biden. They're going to break him. They are going to break his diseased, decrepit, degenerate, dementia-riddled mind. And it's going to be harmful. It's going to be even worse than the elder abuse that you already see on stage. And what will they replace him with? Well, as you've seen, they don't really have a deep bench. They've got old, decrepit boozers like Nancy Pelosi and her husband, Paul, who was dr- drinking in the uh, police camera footage of his hammer attack. What's in the... What's in the coffee cup? What's what's in your tumbler, Paul? Good questions, ladies and gentlemen. But those are questions for another time. You have degenerate, deeply old, deeply senile people. Chuck Schumer is very, very old. Bernie Sanders is very, very old. The heroes of the Democrat Party are ancient octogenarians. They look like crypt keepers. And so the Democrat Party is hard up. They must find something and someone to carry their mantle forward into the future. Now, who, who do they have? Who will run in 2024? 
if they are able to efficiently uh, sacrifice Joe Biden? Well, uh, again, they don't have a lot of great candidates. Gavin Newsom is, I think, the only person that sort of like filters up to the top. But Gavin Newsom is in charge of the single worst economy in America. He's in charge of a state that is going to try and steal from people to give reparations to other people who have different melanin in their skin. Doesn't make any sense. Gavin Newsom was recalled by his own state. Gavin Newsom is deeply unpopular with the people inside of California. It doesn't seem like a good option. And so what are Democrats going to do? Man, who have been the only winners over the last 40 years in the Democrat Party? You have to go back 40, 50 years. Jimmy Carter running in 1980, getting his ass kicked by Ronald Reagan. And Democrats haven't really had a hero except for two last names, Clinton and Obama. Those are the two last names that carry a little bit of chutzpah, a little bit of weight inside of the Democratic caucus. Clinton and Obama were names that got people out to the polls, that won re-elections and re-elections. They're the only really unsullied names inside of the Democrat Party that still have somewhat decent approval. Now, why is that? Well, what we have today for you, ladies and gentlemen, is a very in-depth piece of uh, observational research about what is happening and the coalescing around Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton as the first all-female presidential ticket. And this is what the Democrats, we believe, are going to push forward into the future in 2024. We believe that this is going to be what they bring to the table, and we have the evidence to back it up. First piece of evidence, ladies and gentlemen, one of our favorites, Crystal Ball, who has an interesting show. She was an MSNBC commentator. She has an interesting show with Sagar and Jetty. Uh, they have their own broadcasting news show called Breaking Points. They go on Joe Rogan's podcast here and here and there. And Crystal Ball was on Joe Rogan's podcast uh, two weeks ago saying that she actually needed permission from MSNBC to criticize Hillary Clinton. There's a reason why Hillary Clinton has decent name ID and still somehow, after everything, a decent reputation inside of the Democrat Party. It is because of mechanisms like this. Crystal Ball, former MSNBC host, claims that she needed to have the network president vet her commentary if it included any criticism of Hillary Clinton before she ran for president in 2016. Oh my Goodness. Crystal Ball, former Democrat Party congr uh, uh, congressional candidate from Virginia, was a co-host of The Cycle from 2012 to 2015, a left-leaning cable news channel uh, owned by Comcast. Ball, 41, recalled uh, her MSNBC monologue in 2014 where she urged then-Senator Clinton to not seek the Democratic Party nomination for president. I did the whole thing and was like, she sold out to Wall Street. She sold out to all these people. Uh, she needed to have MSNBC approve her monologue. Apparently, Ball's advice to Clinton, who would go on to lose to Donald Trump, did not sit well with Phil Griffin, who was MSNBC's president at the time. Afterwards, I got pulled into his office and got told, uh, everything's fine, but next time you have commentary on Hillary Clinton, you got to get that approved by me. Whoa. Watch. I did this whole thing that was like... She's sold out to Wall Street. People are going to hate this lady. She's like the terrible candidate for the moment. Please don't run. And um, I was allowed to say it, right? I delivered my thing. I did it exactly how I wanted to do it. Afterwards, I get pulled into an office and, you know, great, Molly, everything's fine. But next time you do any commentary on Hillary Clinton, it has to get approved by the president of the network. Yeah. 
So there is a specific member of Congress, Democrat, that I am particularly close with. Why? Well, because in Washington, D.C., it's just proximity. So I've remained cordial, uh, and this Democrat member of Congress is very interested in the work that we're doing, uh, and I, I get a lot of insight as to how Democrats operate, and I talk with them. And this member of Congress, who isn't particularly woke, you'd call them a blue dog Democrat, very rare, nearly extinct, sort of like a conservative old like union style Democrat. This particular member of Congress, FDR, right, style Democrat, right? Oh, your, your grandparent, if your grandparent was a Democrat. This person tells me that there is one name you're not allowed to speak ill about, and that is Hillary Clinton. And why? Because Hillary Clinton owns the corporate press, owns them, owns them. And if you dare cross Hillary Clinton, that she will destroy, she'll bury you. She'll bury you in the press. And this member of Congress has actually felt Hillary Clinton's personal wrath before and wasn't able to get booked on any shows, had hit pieces written on them, had primary challengers, had money spent against them. This woman is evil, Hillary Clinton. And she will viciously and vindictively go after anybody. And we all know what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's the nature of the Clintons, and that's the nature of the machine around them. And so why wouldn't you want that machine on your side if you wish to run for president? If you're someone like, say, Michelle Obama, who needs all of the help that she can get in answering a simple question, do you think that Joe Biden should run again in 2024? <laughs> Watch this. Biden will run again in 2024? You know, I, 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 I. I will have to see. <laughs> Your boy Benny's done his research. We know what's about to happen. Look at this poll, ladies and gentlemen. Just 12% of Democrats want Biden to be leader of the Democrat Party. Dire new poll shows presidents backing dwindling among his own supporters ahead of 2024 announcement. Oh, my. Oh, my. What's happening here? Uh, President Joe Biden is a distant second to a don't know in an open-ended poll question asked by Democrats. This is the AP Nork poll. So this is a Democrat poll. Like the AP is so up the butt of the DNC, they are uh, able to deliver a colonoscopy result, ladies and gentlemen. Biden, who is chief of the party, in addition to running the country for the past two years, was picked by just 12% of respondents in a new AP poll when asked who Democrats want to lead. Why do I tell you the bias of the AP? Because the AP... They are doing the will of the Democrat power structures right now, and they. this is a suppression poll. These people are so vicious. They're so dirty. They're so dirty. They're so malevolent. Uh, there, there are two entities that control the Democrat Party, two names that have been unsullied, Clinton and Obama, and those people are telling their apparatchiks – remember, Hillary Clinton literally lock, stock, and barrel owns the corporate media and the corporate press. Her daughter works at NBC. How do you think she gets a job like that? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, definitely, uh, it definitely ain't her smarts, and it definitely ain't because uh, she's pretty on camera. Uh, Hillary Clinton is able to push forward these types of polls because they are trying to drive the knife and the dagger as far deep as they possibly can into Joe Biden's ribcage. This is a Democrat poll intended on harming Joe Biden. That puts him – this poll also – also it doesn't state a name. It just says Joe Biden versus don't know and Joe Biden loses versus the don't know. That puts him ahead of new leaders bursting onto the scene as well as longtime legis uh, legislators 
Uh, a vote of no confidence from his own party. Yikes. The news comes as the 2024 Republican field is beginning to take shape. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley announced her decision to run against uh, Donald Trump this week. Uh, trailing Biden among Democrats was Hakeem Jeffries, who uh, is a joke. Uh, he is tied at 5% with AOC. <laughs> Please run AOC. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is at 5%. Sad. Man, they did dirt Bernie dirty. They schlonged him in the words of uh, Donald Trump. Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, please, Lord. Please, please, Lord. Please, Lord, let Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg run on a on a unity ticket of low, low information morons. Uh, Chuck Schumer is at 3%. And here's where we get it, baby. Here we go. Term limited former President Barack Obama is also at 3%, meaning that the Democrats would change, 3% of Democrats would change the Constitution in order to let Barack Obama run again. Of course they would. Of course they would. Among Republicans, there is a substantial plurality that don't know or didn't answer. 34% uh, said that they uh, want Ron, Ron DeSantis. Leads among Republicans who uh, want to lead the party, beating Donald Trump, who is 20% uh, more than two years after losing to Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. Polls are all over the place. They show some of them show show DeSantis by a teeny margin. Some of them show Donald Trump by like 20 points on everyone else. They're all over the place. You got to let people announce. You got to let people start campaign campaigning. Polls are totally worthless until people are ra in the race and campaigning. And it's Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina. Those are the deciding states. So they're starting to poll Barack Obama against Joe Biden, even though it's unconstitutional to do so. And Democrats are saying, uh, we'll take Obama. We'll change the Constitution. What does that say, ladies and gentlemen? Democrats prop up Harris-Clinton for 2024 if Biden doesn't run. This according to The Hill. Former Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton trails only Vice President Harris in a hypothetical 2024 Democratic matchup. Oh, my. Topping a field that includes both new names and familiar faces. In the poll of 102,000 people, Harris topped a Democratic field without Biden with 32%. Clinton garnered 20% support. So Clinton is within a 3% margin of error of being within 10 points or less of Kamala Harris, who is the sitting vice president. Okay. Uh, that's a little interesting. So what is Hillary Clinton having to say about this? Like, for instance, what does Hillary Clinton have to say about Kamala Harris? Uh, well, it ain't pretty. Watch. But after the Washington Post hit piece, the Times finished her off with a blistering piece, digging her an early grave. And Hillary playing the role of undertaker. The so-called warrior for women made a gutsy move and told the Times that Kamala doesn't have what it takes. Quote, two Democrats recalled private conversations in which former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton lamented that Miss Harris could not win because she does not have the political instincts to clear a primary field. So Crooked's claws are out, and that sends a signal to women that it's okay to come out against Kamala. So, okay, a couple things here. Notice how Hillary Clinton, how dirty these people are. They're so dirty. They're so good at playing the game with the press. It's never Hillary Clinton saying anything. It's always people close to her. It's always her aides. It's always somebody who knows her in the ching-ching-ching, uh, champagne, crystal glass, cocktail party circuit. Uh, Hillary Clinton is 
committing right now uh, a kamikaze attack on Kamala Harris. And oh, by the way, she's going to the Pan Pacific in order to do that. So Kamala Harris uh, is, you know, a, a large, largely reliant on uh, her uh, demographic ancestry, which is uh, half Jamaican and half Indian, right? I think your mother came from India. Her father came from Jamaica. Well, Hillary Clinton found herself in India just this past week, curiously, helping other women, uh, making sure that everyone knows that Hillary Clinton is here to help women in India, unlike Kamala Harris, who has Indian heritage. Oh, ta-ta-ta. And Hillary Clinton is going to make the world, the sun, stop being hot because that's what Hillary does. Watch. Something very similar is going on in India now, where Hillary Clinton has been having a very, very, her very own eat, pray, love moment. Watch this. Hillary arrived in India to visit a meditation camp. Mm hmm. She must be trying to connect with herself and have a spiritual journey. She's been visiting salt pan workers and caves. And there's not a pantsuit in sight. Hillary's dressing just like the people. So why is Crooked clearing her head? Is she getting ready to run again? It would sure explain a lot because this week she went after Kamala and said Kamala didn't have what it took to be president. And let's not forget, this is Crooked's glass ceiling. And what better place to go to tweak Kamala than India, the home of Kamala's ancestors? Hey, Kamala, I'm on your home turf. I'm all up in your caves. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> so beautiful. What great trolling. What did Hillary Clinton have to say in India? Boy, she was uh, looking rough. And she was talking about the hotness of people, ensuring that people in India will never be hot again. Women in India should not be hot again. I kid you not, this is literally what Hillary Clinton had to say. Watch. But this trip isn't just about clearing her head. Crooked's always got an ulterior motive. You see, Hillary's been raising a lot of awareness on this trip about the left's favorite issue, global warming. You have overcome so many obstacles, broken through so many barriers. But now you face an additional challenge, the challenge that climate change presents of heat heat like we have never seen before heat like we have never seen before so inspiring so what's crooked doing about all the heat well she's launching a climate resilience fund of course i am here with sewa the self-employed women's association to announce a $50 million global climate resilience fund to work with SEWA, which, as you may know, uh, consists of women who are self-employed, working primarily outside, whether it is agriculture or the salt pans we saw here today, or street vendors or construction or waste recycling, all of those jobs, they are in the heat outside and the heat as you know has gotten much worse i've never seen indian women look so excited so she's starting a fund to make women in india less hot <laughs> true 
But that's like literally what she said. She says, like, I, I want to make women less hot. Please put a bunch of vegetables around my neck and let me look just like the old Hagrid lunch lady uh, inside of your public school or George Soros. A lot of people are saying she, she her transition into George Soros and the demon incarnation that is that man uh, is almost fully complete. Hillary Clinton looked deeply rough. She certainly didn't look spry, but, you know, evil never sleeps. Watch. So today I am proud to announce that the Clinton Global Initiative, started by my husband, will work closely with SEWA and with our partners, the American India Foundation, the Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Re Foundation Resilience Center, the Desai Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, and the Algorand Foundation to launch a $50 million global climate resilient fund for women. Dude, she looks just like George Soros. And so she's going on to Kamala Harris's home turf there, and she's doing it to roast Kamala. Mark my words. Listen to this from the Daily Mail. Top Democrats are questioning Vice President Kamala Harris's leadership abilities, and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton even reported, uh, reportedly has her doubts. Members of Congress, Democrat strategists, and other party figures all said that Harris has may not made herself a formidable leader on Monday in an article in the New York Times. The piece said that two Democrats recalled Clinton, Hillary Clinton, privately discussing Harris's chances of clearing the presidential field. Why would Hillary Clinton be talking about clearing the field? Why would Hillary Clinton care? Primary field because she lacked the necessary, necessary political instincts. Two Democrats recalled private conversations in which Secretary Hillary Clinton lamented that Miss Harris could not win because she does not have the political instincts to clear a primary field. A spokesperson for Clinton pointed out their strong bond, although the Times didn't quote him issuing a specific denial of Clinton's uh, reported thoughts. They have built and maintained a strong bond, speaking of Clinton and Harris. Any characterization is patently false. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod as they sharpen the knives, right? And as Kamala cackles off into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> Kamala, look at the sunset. Let's all go out in the boat together. It's not going to be pretty. These people are dirty, dirty people. Tulsi Gabbard, of course, had uh, didn't hold any punches back from Hillary Clinton. Tulsi Gabbard famously called out Hillary Clinton uh, during the 2020 presidential uh, uh, nominating uh, campaign. Tulsi Gabbard ran against Joe Biden, the decrepit disease institution that was the DNC. She ran as an outsider. She had a lot uh, of threat. She provided a lot of threat to institutional power. And so institutional power went savagely at Tulsi Gabbard. Hillary Clinton, that same uh, Parasite spokesperson for Hillary Clinton. His name's Nick Merrill. He's the person commenting to the New York Times there in the last story. Uh, he said that Tulsi Gabbard was a Russian asset. A T T he 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 he. Tulsi Gabbard, who served in the U.S. military, and uh, Hillary Clinton uh, only ever uses the U.S. military as cannon fodder when she's landing in Bosnia under sniper fire. Listen to Tulsi uh, snipe herself at Hillary Clinton uh, and her chances of running in 2024. Do you see the significance in this India trip the way primetime does? 
First of all, Jesse, I was really hoping that you'd have her on live here uh, on your show so we could actually have a debate. I've always wanted to have a debate with her. Uh, never had the opportunity. Um, yeah, look, Hillary, I think, is envious of Joe Biden. She sees him as commander in chief. I'm kind of surprised because he's actually channeling her, you know, warmongering ways. But ultimately, you and I both know there's never been a war that Hillary has seen that she has not loved. I, I was just thinking about her, uh, her gleeful cackle when she said about Gaddafi, what is it? We came, uh, we, we saw we came and, and he died. And so, you know, her desire to be commander in chief that she's had for a very long time has nothing to do with ensuring the safety and security of the American people. It has everything to do with the fact that if there's a war to be fought, she wants to be the one with her finger on that proverbial trigger. If there is a nuclear war to be had, she wants to be the one who's in that place to, to launch those nuclear weapons, which should concern everyone. But this is what happens when you have someone like her in a position of power who loves war, but she's never actually been to war. Man, talking about going nuclear, way to go, Tulsi Gabbard, so based, love Tulsi so much. So they obviously have the very, very long knives out for Biden and Harris, and now you're getting the Obamas in on it. Now, reminder here that Barack Obama could save Joe Biden at any time. Barack Obama is silent. His 200 million plus followers, he's not telling them to support Joe Biden. He's not saving Joe Biden from the classified document scandal. Barack Obama is the sole individual living right now today that could save Joe Biden and say, oh, yeah, I let Joe Biden take classified documents and I have plenary power of declassification and therefore Joe's in the clear. Barack Obama isn't risk lifting or raising a finger. He's not lifting his voice. He's not saying a word in order to protect or save Joe Biden. In fact, you could argue that it's Barack Obama who packed these boxes. Going all the way back, ladies and gentlemen, Barack Obama has not liked Joe Biden. Barack Obama only ever used Joe Biden for expediency. Uh, and in taming a specific branch of the Democrat Party that might not like his communist manifesto ways, Joe Biden was very good at the colloquialisms and uh, the jokerisms and being a doofus and appealing to union halls uh, and VFW halls all across America. And so he was a useful idiot for Democrats. And now he's no longer useful, ladies and gentlemen. He's not useful at all. In fact, what would be useful is to be getting another Obama in the White House. You might mistake what Michelle Obama is doing right now for the beginnings of a presidential campaign. So first, you have a manufactured white racism panic. That's a clue. But the clincher is menopause. Unlike every other woman over 50 in all human history, Michelle Obama, we're sad to tell you, has menopause. It's not clear where she caught it. Maybe there was an outbreak in Egertown. But it's bad. At one point, Michelle Obama gained up to six pounds. You don't know how much she suffered. Let's put it this way. Baton death march survivors, she laughs at you. You can't fathom her pain. Watch her talk about it on TV. I am still physically active. And my goal now, instead of having Michelle Obama arms, I just want to keep moving. Just keep moving. If I can walk, move, I don't have to run. I don't have to beat everyone. So I've had to change the way I see myself in, the, in, in, in my health space. I never used to weigh myself. I'm not trying to stick to numbers, but when you're in menopause, you have this slow creep. You have this slow creep. And no, she's not talking about Joe Biden here, who is technically one of the slowest creeps in America. She's talking about her own thighs. Now, why is Michelle Obama telling you about her menopausal thighs on a TV show? 
possibly because she's a crazed narcissist who thinks her own thighs are interesting to you. And that's, of course, true. But there may be other reasons. How repulsive is it to hear her say Michelle Obama arms? These people, their narcissism, they're black hole narcissists. I mean, they are like, they like, like suck in and absorb themselves inside of their own, like the, the, the vacuum. It could bend space and time itself. Pride cometh before destruction, man. Their hubris will be their downfall. Michelle Obama, there, talking about her own thighs, talking about her menopause, talking about Michelle Obama arms, whatever those are. Why? Well, because mail-in voting exists in a lot of states, and it's very easy for suburban women to cast ballots from their homes, and Michelle Obama is going for that vote. They've run the numbers, and Michelle Obama is going to run at the top of the ticket and say, I'm going to be the suburban mom. I'm going to be just, I'm just like you to ignore my multiple mansions on the water, 10 million, 20 million, $40 million mansions on the water. Ignore all that. I'm just like you. Hey, ladies, look at me. And then look at Hillary, you know, with her hand shaking over the nuclear button. This is what they're going to do. Again, Michelle Obama asked point blank whether Joe Biden, the person who is a complete end-to-end -end creation of the Obamas because Joe Biden was just a backwater jackass in the Senate with no future until the Obamas snatched him up for political expediency, but he's no longer useful. He's a useful idiot that's no longer useful. Remember this. And remember Michelle Obama's tortured face when asked point blank if Joe Biden should run again. Biden will run again in 2024? You know, I, 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 I will have to see. I will have to see. So break it all down. They think they already got Joe Biden out. Joe Biden hasn't made Joe Biden hasn't made the decision uh, to run again. OK, so it's like so. So they, they're already breaking. They've already broken Biden. I, I, like like he's, he's straight up said it. Joe Biden doesn't hasn't made the decision to run again. That is not a, a done deal even though we've reported a couple times. Otherwise, apparently Joe Biden hasn't made the decision. Important to watch. Sounds like you're running. I've made that decision. That's my intention, I think, but I've made that decision firmly yet. I, may, I have made that decision. Okay, so they've clearly gotten to Biden. So they're going to torture Biden. They're going to say, "May hey, you can have your you can have your retirement and your son, and you can be out of shackles, and not be sent to Guantanamo Bay as a traitor uh, if you just don't run again in 24. So that's the devil's bargain they're striking with Joe Biden. They're coming after Kamala. So then they have to get rid of Kamala. We talked to you about the New York Times, but what is proof positive that the left is coordinating on something when it's in the New York Times and in the Washington Post? It's so embarrassing. Such an, embar such an embarrassing poker face. The Washington Post did this massive, you know, 4,000 word hatchet job on Kamala where they say people are poised to pounce on anything, any misstep, any gaffe, anything she says. And she's probably not getting the benefit of the doubt, says one of Kamala's backers in Georgia. Wild. Wild. Don't know enough about what she's doing, but it doesn't help that she's not a great communicator. OK, good. It's some Democrats are worried about Harris's political prospects. <laughs> the entire the entire article ends like just so savagely. Uh uh, The right to every woman in every state and every country to make decisions about her own body. Uh, is on the line, Harris said at a rally. I've said it before and I'll say it again. How dare they? 
as Eric Allen, chair of the Cobb County Democrats, asked himself, a Harris loyalist says uh, that, unfortunately, forces inside the party and the country are pushing against Kamala. Wait, what? This is how the Washington Post ends this, like, 5,000, 4,000-word screed against Kamala Harris by citing a Kamala Harris advocate and saying, well... What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. The forces inside the party and the country are pushing against Kamala. So this is just the Democrats admitting that the game's already lost. They've they've already they've already decided Kamala Harris and Joe Biden was a failed experiment. We're not going to lightning is not going to strike twice. We're not going to survive a united front against these two uh, jackals. And we're going to put these clowns out to the clown pasture for retirement. And what are we going to do in the in the process? Well, we're going to. We're going to humiliate them. It's going to be a wild two years. It's going to be very, very fun. But they're going to humiliate these two in the process. They're going to degrade, denigrate them. They're going to force their spouses, for instance, to kiss on camera, as we saw this last week. <laughs> oh, man. Kamala Harris, ladies and gentlemen, had to sit there along with Joe Biden and watch their spouses lock jaws uh, during the State of the Union. Um, and then Kamala was forced to go on TV and talk about it. Oh, man. These people are dirty. Watch. ¿Cómo reacciona usted a ese video? Que le dice a muchas personas que tienen que chismear sobre esto. Bueno, yo no he visto el video. No sé, pero yo sé que la primera dama y el segundo caballero están trabajando arduamente con lo que estamos haciendo con mi esposo. Kamala does two network news interviews. No one brings it up, but the Spanish TV guys obviously ask the most interesting question. What is wrong with our media? <laughs> uh, they force her to do it in Spanish. <laughs> it's just going to be humiliation porn at this point. They are, they have it set. I mean, don't let the UFOs distract you. Don't let any of this other flim flam distract you in our press. They have the long knives out for Biden and Kamala. They're going to go after them, baby. It's going to be, they're going to disgrace them. They're going to humiliate them on TV. These people are evil people, and they're Marxists. They're neo-Marxists. So public humiliation is actually a thing that they do. Public humiliation is something that they are masters at, and they want to make sure that they that Biden and Kamala know they are no longer welcome. So take it to the bank. We are predicting a Obama-Clinton unity ticket inside of the Democrat Party. All the signs are there. You can't criticize Hillary. You can't criticize Barack Obama, they're running suppression polls against them. They're forcing Joe Biden to say he's not running. They're going long knives out after Kamala Harris in the CNN going after Biden. New York Times going after Kamala. Hillary Clinton going after Kamala. Michelle Obama going after Biden. The Washington Post going after Kamala. The stars are aligning. It's all there. That's what they're going to do. What are we going to do? Well, I mean, uh, very dangerous world, actually, if Michelle Obama uh, and Hillary Clinton took over. A very, very dangerous world. We have to um, coalesce, and we'll need to coalesce quickly. It's why I'm a huge advocate 
uh, uh, that we have major challenges ahead and we have got to decide on a direction for the country. And it's, it's got to be a strong one. And so I won't be endorsing. People are announcing like crazy running for president uh, on the right. Nikki Haley, John Bolton, Tim Scott. Now uh, people are announcing. Will Ron DeSantis announce? Will Mike Pompeo announce? We hear the whispers. Will Mike Pence announce? It's going to be a big race. Donald Trump has already announced. You know my feelings on all these people, and you know my feelings on all this. I will wait to see how everyone performs in the debates and in the primary process. That's just me as an Iowan. That's where I was raised, Iowa. That's where I went to school. You watch and you see how people perform. And so we'll see. We'll see. King of the jungle, baby. It's a blood sport, and we look forward to it. Uh, It's a war zone, as Elon Musk has uh, often said about Twitter. This is a war zone, and you want warriors. And boy, damn it, we'll need warriors with Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton running. Don't count it out. Don't say, oh, America would never go for that. America would totally go for that. So we must be prepared to fight. Thank God we have the best tool that we could possibly have offered to us by Elon Musk, a free and open social media platform where we can get information out there and truth out there. That is what Elon Musk did when he bought Twitter. And he released Twitter from the predations of uh, evil globalists like Klaus Schwab, who's hosting a world globalist summit right now. Klaus Schwab saying that uh, the people who master AI, they will be the ones in control. (laughs) I don't know if this guy's a simulation or auditioning for the next Bond villain. We'll see. Watch. And we are just now where we move into the exponential phase. And I agree. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology. Our life in 10 years from now will be completely different very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. So this is uh, Klaus Schwab talking about the importance of AI and saying that this has a a deep and abiding threat to our power. If we want to maintain power, we're going to have to continue to uh, develop and to become the masters of AI. Hmm, very interesting. Interesting terminology here, Klaus Schwab. Such an such an evil individual. However, he did invite Elon Musk to speak. And at this conference, if you want the uh, antidote to getting that clip of Klaus Schwab out of your eyeballs, well, you should watch this clip of Elon Musk uh, going hard in against globalism at the World Globalism Summit. Man, the, the balls on this guy. So based, watch. One thing I should say, and I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but um, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, If if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, You know, if... You know, if you look at, say, the, at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, that really all throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen. But it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole, because there have been, there've been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. 
And so, um, you know, say like while Rome was falling, it, uh, it, you know, uh, Islam was rising. And uh, so you had like a, uh, you know, the, the sort of caliphate do, doing incredibly well while Rome was doing terribly. Um, and that actually ended up being a source of preservation of knowledge uh, and, and, uh, and many scientific advancements. And so, um, so I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a world, of a single uh, civilization, because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if, we, if the, whole, the whole thing may collapse. Elon Musk is a genius man. I mean, what a, what a what an absolutely beautiful point that he makes is that uh, if you have everything so co-interdependent on each other, then it all collapses. And we saw this in two world wars throughout Europe, and that Europe essentially committed suicide. Europe was America was a backwater. America was never supposed to be the world dominating power. Europe was the world dominating power. Europe had all of the culture and all the institutions and all the banking, and Europe committed suicide against itself. But thankfully, we had independent nations that were able to fill the void there. And then America and Russia filled that void, and then they fought, and America won off of better virtues and value systems, which is how uh, governments should operate. What if America was in league with the communists? What if we had the same system of government? We would fall just like the communism, and we just like the communists did, and we'd have another dark age. And that's what Elon Musk is warning against. Elon Musk said that uh, open and free debate and the purchase of Twitter was in order to save civilization. Elon Musk talked about why he purchased Twitter at this conference. Go. I, mean, I think this is something that is probably agreeable to um, the, uh, you know, the, le the legislators and, and the people of most countries. So, so I, th I think it's that's the general idea. It's just um, to reflect the values of, of the people. Um, as opposed to imposing the values um, of essentially San Francisco and Berkeley, um, which are so somewhat of a niche ideology um, as compared to the rest of the world. And, but, but, you know, Twitter was, I think, doing a little too much to impose um, a niche, uh, uh, you know, San Francisco, Berkeley ideology on the world. Um, so, you know, I, I thought the it was important kind of for the future of civilization to try to correct that uh, thumb on the scale, if you will, um, and and uh, and just have Twitter more accurately reflect, uh, like I said, the the values of the the, the people of Earth. Um, that's the that's the that's the intention, um, and uh, hopefully we succeed in, in in doing that. Man, what a what a brave man. What an incredibly brave – like the iron in his spine, the brass in his balls, the gunpowder in his gut to talk about the woke ideologies of San Francisco putting the thumb on the scale of big tech. He just came out and said it. He just came out and said it. And what happened when these Marxists took over Twitter? The Marxists did exactly what they always do. They, they, they censored people and they, just, they censored and they tried to destroy individuals who were speaking truth and one of them – works on our program as our executive producer and is our in-house Twitter expert. He's back on the platform. His name is The Great ALX. ALX The Great. I think uh, that's, that's what we're, <laughs> we're going to do. ALX The Great. Alexander The Great. 
<laughs> These clips are going wild. Elon responded to you tweeting, uh, I think, the clip about world government. Yeah, he he actually responded to th like three of them. Um, so I said um, that it was fairly because he got a lot of criticism for speaking at this globalist summit. Uh, that's one of the comments I was seeing from one of my initial tweets talking about, you know, free speech on Twitter. And people are like, why is he even speaking at such like a globalist event? Um, so then he came out and said it. He's like, I have concerns against world world government. He's like, I know it's a world government summit and everything, but there are dangers to, you know, putting your eggs all in one basket because if it collapses, then the entire civilization of Earth would collapse. Um, so I tweeted that clip and then he responded to that. And then he's like, yeah, I thought that was the uh, appropriate venue to make those comments at. Um, <laughs> sort of a little like snarky comment there, which is uh, perfect. And this kind of goes into the same vein as like the WEF when I, when that was all going on, he was like criticizing them. And then I saw some people criticizing Donald Trump for having spoke there. But then a couple of clips went viral of what he actually said on the stage at the WEF. And he was talking about how uh, we should endorse Americanism, not globalism. So I don't have a problem with people speaking at these events. It's the message that they bring. If Elon is going to go to these events and speak to these events, he wants to try and change some of these people's mind and use their platform to get across what the real message should be, which, you know, you should put your country first and to reject the idea of globalism. I think it's great that he's even invited. I, I you know, Elon is so so good at this, but he's also right, incredibly based. And I guess these days, based just means allowing people to speak freely. Uh, he's bringing back virtually everyone back to Twitter. I mean, am I wrong? Like he has made good on his promise to restore Twitter to a free speech site. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, they've been working on amnesty for the past two months. Uh, pretty much a lot of people that I know that were banned have come back. Uh, there are a few glitches um, that some, some people are seeing. So what they've done is they redid the entire process of appeals now. So if you appeal your account and you weren't suspended uh, or you were not brought back under amnesty, they're using the um, amnesty guidelines to now review accounts. And then they're also going to be getting rid of the ban evasion uh, reason to keep people banned. Um, so that's how they got they, you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So and that, and that's These something Marxists. that I expressed that I expressed with them um, is that there are like accounts that were banned maybe ten years ago, five years ago, and the initial thing was you had to go and appeal that initial suspension. People don't remember number one their usernames, their passwords, all of this. So that's like a big issue. It's like yeah, I was suspended from, from Twitter like ten years ago. I don't remember like anything, and you know they even said that they were having trouble finding the reasons that people were originally suspended on the, like the internal side. So there are a lot of like weird things happening. So they're just going to do away with it and like, you know, basically give people that deserve a second chance, a second chance. Um, so that's really good. And uh, like I said, almost everyone that I know of has been brought back. So it seems like Elon Musk has sort of a through line in both of the clips that we played when, as it pertains to Twitter itself, and why he bought it, or as it pertains to world government, which is about as big as you can get around here. Uh, the through line is that you shouldn't have hive mind. That hive mind hurts people and diversity of thought and diversity of opinion and diversity and freedom of movement, uh, that that helps people. And it's always the collectivist nature and the neo-Marxist nature to like create a hive mind. And that, that's sort of what he speaks out against uh, with Twitter, right? He's mm -hmm. like, what happened here is the same problem.
globalism, just the collectivism of like a small group of people speaking in circles. Uh, and then it, it, it destroys uh, the capacity to think. And I think you saw a lot of that on display when they dragged in Yul Roth and when they dragged in Vijay Gade in front of uh, Congress last week. Did you not? This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Yeah, so one of the most tone-deaf things, and actually Elon replied to this as well. I tweeted um, both the clip and the Zero Hedge article. He he replied to the Zero Hedge article. Gil Roth said something to the effect of the fact that we allow more free speech uh, leads to less free speech. And it was the most tone deaf thing ever, because if you think like you look at what he says at a surface level, it's like, how does that even make sense? What you're saying, allowing more speech is actually making more like censorship. Like, how, so his argument is we need to censor more to allow free speech. It's the most backwards and perverse thing ever. And then like everything that came out, like what they were prioritizing, they were prioritizing censoring, uh, you know, political content over illegal content. It's just like it's borderline criminal. And the fact that like they were dragged before Congress is is it's just hilarious to see like in the last five months, it went from them all confident. Elon isn't going to take over. Donald Trump isn't going to be reinstated. All these statements. And now they're before Congress testifying. Uh, so I hope we see some accountability there. But yeah, it, it's just the tone deaf attitudes of these people at Twitter. They're like, oh, I didn't have any bias at Twitter. And then they hold up the tweet of saying, here is you calling Trump supporters Nazis. How can you how can those two things exist? You're working at Twitter and enforcing policy against people that support Trump and then also t tweeting on your personal account. Oh, yeah. Trump supporters are Nazis. There's actual Nazis in the White House. Like those two things can't be true at the same time. Now, I'm no lawyer. And I don't think you are either. But there was a member of Congress that said that this is just the start and arrest will come soon. His name is Clay Higgins. He's from Louisiana. He, he himself is a prosecutor. Uh, he's now, of course, a seated member of Congress. And he asked Twitter these questions signaling that arrests will soon be coming for people that defied the Constitution. Uh, I mean, wh what would be the process here? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah. So what I've heard from him is that he's going down the vein that he was, uh, you know, Twitter and those Twitter executives were communicating with the FBI and that they both had insight on the criminal implications of the Hunter Biden laptop story. So the, his case would be the fact that Jim Baker had insight into the criminal nature of it and then also was using his position at Twitter to, you know, suppress that so it didn't get out to the public. So his argument would be that, you know, Jim Baker had knowledge that the rest of the public didn't and he's helping cover up like potential criminal activity that was on the laptop. Um, so I don't know the exact charges or anything that he was uh, thinking of, but that's what he was, you know, getting at there. So uh, the future of Twitter, I think, is profoundly important to civilization. We've done our show on Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton, maybe running for president. You're going to you're going to need to be able to hit back against that. And mm -hmm. inside of the censorship regime that they run effectively through the corporate press and through social media, that's why they're screaming bloody murder about 
disinformation and shutting down conservative sites uh, because they need to be able to protect the two of them. You know, these two criminals that would be running for office and a, a, an open and free Twitter is a huge threat to a Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton ticket. I mean, obviously. Uh, and so Elon Musk talking about the future of Twitter and what's about to happen, I think is very important. He said this uh, at the conference when he was asked about it. I'll play the clip and I'd love to get your reaction. But how do you see Twitter if we, we say it five years down the road? What's your vision for for this platform? What, sh what should it do? Well, I think it would be – I'd like to you know, have this sort of long-term vision for something called uh, X.com from back at, way back in the day, uh, which is kind of like a, a um, – sort of like an everything app um, it, where it's just maximally useful. It does, you know, payments. Uh, it does um, – uh, so it provides financial services, provides information flow, um, really anything digital. Um, and, um, you know, also provides secure communications. Um, so it would be as useful as possible, as entertaining as possible, um, and uh, also to be like a, a source of, of truth. Like if you want to uh, find out what's going on and what's really going on, um, then you could, should be able to go on, 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 you know, X, the X app, and, um, and, and find out. So ALX, Elon Musk has been pretty, pretty open about the X everything app. He's tweeted about it a couple times. He wants mm -hmm. to turn Twitter into a payment processor, all of this. You're a technologist. You see these things well into the future. Uh, final question here. What should Twitter become? Do you agree with this? Uh, and what would it look like? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree that making Twitter into something that's more, you know, inclusive of everything in everyday life, like a payment processor. Um, uh, we've had that issue with PayPal and Venmo that, that they wanted to get rid of people uh, for what they said. So if we have an alternative um, and have someone that, you know, we trust in his pro free speech, I, I see no reason why we shouldn't, you know, have more things that could be switched over to that app, um, whether it be news, whether it be our speech, whether it be payment processing. And one of the things I'll say on this too is it should be a source of truth and news. Uh, this week, we saw Pete Buttigieg finally respond to the crisis mm. in Ohio, like solely because he was trending on Twitter. Yes. And yes. that's the power of something that, you know, they can't censor. So yes. your comment on Michelle Obama and all of these people running for president they see the writing on the wall here. And this is basically a 2015, 2016 moment where Twitter was uncensored and it helped win Donald Trump the presidency. Mm -hmm. So the people who no longer control Twitter are the ones most who fear Twitter right now is because they have no control over it. And now they're the ones being forced to respond to trending topics because Pete Buttigieg ignored that the entire time and was finally forced to respond when he saw his name trending at the top of Twitter. It makes you wonder how much they got away with. It really does. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder how much they got away with, not just in the social media era, but in the era when there was a couple of networks, right? Like, and there were just small time papers. Like, what were they able to get away with when they controlled everything? It, mm -hmm. it, it would be a different country. And we're glad that it is. And we're certainly glad that users like you are back. Everybody, go follow ALX. ALX, where can they follow you? At ALX on Twitter at ALX the Lord on Instagram and Getter, and then also at ALX on True Social. ALX the Great. 
ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Listen to him. He's always right. See you, man. See ya. Well, what do you think? Let us know in the comments. Let us, let us know. Literally, what do you think? Do you think we're wrong about Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton? We're not wrong about Elon Musk. We know that for sure. But what do you think? Do, do you think that's that, that they're not going to run? Do you think they're going to try and prop up the old crypt keeper once more? Man, he'd be like 86. 86? Oh, we don't know. We don't know. But we do know one thing. We know that regardless of who this clown car spits out to run in 2024, that we don't need to worry about that. These people aren't actually in charge. God is in charge. And that is our confidence. And that is our hope. And that is why we bring you a Bible verse every single show. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Mm. Mm. Two mentions of the word hope there from Romans 15, 13. Two mentions of the word hope, the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Are you abounding in hope this morning? Well, perhaps you should be. That's what the good word says. We are abounding in hope. We are, actually, most mornings, because we structure our lives correctly. God first, family, then country. And we care about those things. And we care about them in that order, and that gives us peace. And it also gives us a will to fight. And so we fight, ladies and gentlemen, for America. And we fight right alongside with you. We'll be here for you every single day. My name is Benny Johnson. This is The Benny Show. See ya.